0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito
1: Com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three of Stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, welcome in to the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We're happy to have you guys join us tonight again, and we're happy to be joined as well by Yahoo Sports, uh, one of the best NFL draft overall NFL fantasy coverage guys uh, in the biz with Eric Edholm here to give his thoughts on the we wrap up the 2019 draft and the cards Um, Eric how are you doing overall
0: I'm doing great thanks for uh, for having me on the show and uh, all this uh, breathless anticipation about whether it's Kyler Murray or not you guys can just rest easy now everything's cool (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, it was only uh, three months of just complete nausea on the part of Cardinal fans. But yes, thank you. We, can, we can move on now.
0: Glad I could relive that for you. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: definitely. So Eric, why don't you give us a little bit of background on uh, yourself, how you got involved, at least with covering everything from you know, the draft from a fantasy perspective with Yahoo Sports. T- tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Yeah, well, I'm pretty old, so I get. Plenty. we'll have to take half the show. But yeah, no, I, I grew up in the Boston area. I went to University of Missouri for journalism. Um, ended up actually switching gears at one point. I thought I might want to be an English teacher, but uh, got into the journalism business, sort of a roundabout way, worked at Sporting News for a couple of years, and then moved up to Chicago and was at... Uh, Pro Football Weekly for a number of years, and that's how I got up in this area. Um, and I left for Yahoo Sports in 2013, left again in 2017, but now I'm back. And that's that's kind of the truncated version of it. But uh, I'll be focusing uh, primarily on the draft, but doing some other NFL stuff as well, and maybe pitch hitting here and there on on, on other projects. But it's going to be, I don't know, 80, 85, 90 percent draft and you guys got to give me some story ideas for May and June, man. I might be a little dry here.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Hey, John, why don't you take the next question over here? Well, it looks like his connections at least is timed out for him. He'll be back on round. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit just with now that we've gotten that background of, uh, from a national perspective, with the 2018 Cardinal season effectively being one of the worst. The team seems to have hit the reset button in a lot of ways. What was kind of the national perception of the Cardinals, at least from what you've seen kind of leading up to this
0: 2018 draft? I think it feels like five years ago that Bruce Arians was the coach. You know, I mean, it just, it's crazy to think that, you know, not that much time has passed, but, you know, as competitive as they were down the stretch without Carson Palmer, you know, that feels like ancient history now. And last season was such a disappointment, obviously. And, you know, on on every element offensively. Obviously Steve Wilkes one year uh, experiment ends uh, in ingloriously. So, you know, I, I I felt coming into this off season before we knew Kyler was the guy or any of that stuff, I just thought, wow, you know, Steve kahn has got a lot on his plate here. He's gotta you know he's gotta get this head coaching hire right. He's got the number one pick in the draft. They've got to supplement three or four positions in in free agency. And, you know, they've got to make some good decisions here. So it's been kind of a fascinating turn of events. And, and, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was not on my radar to begin with. But I don't necessarily think it's a bad choice. It's just a – it's a gutsy one, you know. And so, obviously, the Kingsbury-Murray tandem, I think, has a chance to be either – you know, a paradigm shifter or uh, another reset. I mean, it doesn't, you know, that, that's kind of the feeling is that it's gonna be one of the polar opposites. So, you know, I'm fascinated to see how it turns out, but Murray is, you know, we haven't seen too many with his combination of skills and size and everything. So it's a, it's a fascinating chemistry experiment.
2: Eric, I want to quickly touch on uh, the last couple months in regard to Josh Rosen, what took place, um, the national perspective with regards to him and how the Cardinals viewed him. He was fourth quarterback taken last year. Blake and I have talked about it. They seemingly had Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen ahead of them. ended up trading up for Rosen. Is, Is there a possibility that the Cardinals maybe obviously overvalued Rosen compared to the rest of the league? how far he could have fallen had they not traded up for him last year. And then clearly there wasn't a market for him this year. Hmm. And that could be partially on Steve Keim for not making him available until too late. But you just think about all the teams that have quarterbacks now. I don't, I don't think the market was what maybe the team thought it would be is the perception around the league that, that Rosen is just kind of an average guy.
0: Well, then, if that's the case, it's changed quite a bit in one year because I mean I, I talked to three or four teams that, if they didn't have them their top guy, they had them their number two guy, and so obviously, last year, it was fascinating to talk to teams. Some were willing to kind of share their quarterback board, and you know obviously the teams that weren't necessarily pining for quarterbacks would be a little bit more willing to share that information and it's not like I talked to all thirty two teams, of course, but I probably got about Maybe a quarter of the league, seven or eight teams that that kind of stacked them for me, and I, you know, off the top of my head, including one team that didn't make a play for him this year, which shocked me, frankly. I can't really say what it, which team it is, but I mean, it, it's one of those contenders who has to start thinking about a, a quarterback for you know next year, year beyond, whatever. Um, and you know, there are three or four teams that you could probably connect to that to that kind of hint right there that all of a sudden didn't seem all that interested. But, you know, it, it certainly would have behooved time, I think, to get started on this thing early. I still don't understand the idea of, oh, we've got to make our intentions a secret. and We've got to keep this thing under wraps and everything. You know, right. if, you, if they figured out by March <laughs> or, or even April 1st that Murray was their guy, because I'm not really buying this whole, you know, we were – sorting it out until the end if they knew that at, at any point early on that's the, the minute they should have started you know working on Rosen and playing one team against another would it have gotten them a ton more I don't know but I think it at least would have created you know like real estate you want two or three people uh, fighting for the same house you know I think I you know look at the quarterbacks in this year's draft Murray went first uh Dale Jones went to the Giants they didn't have to trade up for him. Harriskins right. they didn't have to trade up for him. Drew Locke fell in with the second round, they didn't have to trade up on. It was a very block class. So that's mm-hmm. what shocked me when you know they didn't kind of let a market develop a little bit and that was I think a a misplay. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about Kingsbury because we've seen mixed success with guys going straight from the collegiate ranks to the NFL ranks. Obviously, there's Some great examples, a lot of them were, you know, before the 2010 started, at least outside of maybe the momentary success of Jim Harbaugh, Chip Kelly sticks out. With the air raid and the concepts that they're bringing in for the Cardinals, is this kind of a right move at the right time, or is this maybe kind of jumping the gun a little bit by bringing in a guy with no experience and then kind of trusting, okay, we've got our general manager, we're bringing in an experienced defensive coordinator, trying to kind of piece together a little bit of something to make this work. Do you you think that that's kind of a – an uh, advantage that Arizona has being forward-thinking, or is this kind of you know jumping the gun and not being or something or something more reliable or proven at least? And how do you think Cliff Kingsbury, you know, as a coach and as a scheme, will this whole air raid and this five-wide thing be able to translate into the NFL this year?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, and and I will say this: you know, other team other you know coaches and teams around the league were fascinated by the hire. He has people who admire his skill set, whatever you want to say, his offensive acumen, um, and and believe he's got something to offer the NFL. And that this system, long overlooked by the NFL, considered sort of, oh, college taboo, you know, whatever. Um, You know, Chip Kelly, for as mediocre as his record was after that first season, look, you know, he's kind of opened the door for a lot of this stuff and other people as well. But I mean, really... You know, he was maybe the, the one of the first guys to kind of get people to rethink how offensive schemes in the NFL should work, and you know, let let's let's spread it out, and let's use more shotgun, and let's do all these things. And so, you know, I I don't see why the system can't work. In fact, it wouldn't stun me if they have some short-term success. The key, obviously, though, is you know figuring out how to be a head coach, mm-hmm. which he didn't necessarily do. So one-sided. On, I mean you know you go what 5 and 7 and 7 and 6 with Patrick Mahomes you know right proven <laughs> to do so i mean again i it's hard for me to say exactly what he's going to be in the nfl but you know much like we were talking about with murray it, it does feel like maybe this guy surprises some people or maybe it's a total flop i admire their chutzpah, though for for going for it it's not a <laughs> conventional uh, pairing or move but you're gonna, if you're going to hire Cliff, you might as well give him the quarterback he wants. And, and I can't wait to see them. is Detroit, right? You guys get Detroit? Yeah,
2: yep. Detroit at home yep. against the Lions. I think the last two uh, rookie quarterbacks to debut against yes. Detroit with uh, Sam Darnold, and they wow. lost badly, and then Matt Ryan his rookie year when they went 0-16. So we hope that, that trend continues with the, with the poor Lions. But speaking of Murray specifically, Eric, and, and just your experience covering the league, I, I'm not sure there's anybody really to compare him to. I think a lot of people want to pull some of his best qualities via, you know, comparisons to Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think Murray goes number one if Patrick Mahomes didn't have the season he just had. Uh, comparisons to Drew Brees or Baker Mayfield and just the undersized factor. I think it's great that we're seeing, you know, these undersized guys finally get an opportunity, but talking about somebody with legitimate four-three speed, there's concerns about durability. Is he unlike any prospect you've ever seen?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, and the undersized guys, now I may be six foot five, but I grew up in Boston <laughs> watching Doug Flutie in college. I'm that old too, <laughs> by the way. So I've always had a soft spot for the, the, the innovators, the creators, the undersized guys who can just kind of wield their way to victory. And, and I mean, Flutie, I, I to, still to this day is one of my 10 or 12 favorite quarterbacks of all time, just to watch and enjoy. So you know, and you can't even co- compare Kyler to him. I mean, they, they all have their own little style a little bit. So, you know, he's a more accurate passer, more deep, you know, better deep passer than Lamar Jackson. He's, you know, like you said, he's got a much thinner build than Russell Wilson. He's nobody on the earth has Drew Brees's, you know, poison accuracy and all that. I mean, at least you don't come, you know, Brees went in the league five years before he became Brees. So, right. <laughs> You're right. He's in his own category until until we see more of him, until we kind of see what the the product is going to be. But you know, it's it's must see TV, and it's it, he is an electric player. And and you know, watching the first half of that Alabama game, I thought, okay, yeah, they really you know they really kind of muddled up in the middle of the field. They're they're yeah. making it tough on him. And then the second half, he willed them back into that game and and gave him a shot. And it was like, boy, you know, th- there was something special on display even as poorly as the first half went. Um so he can face adversity and bounce back. And we didn't really, you know, other than like the army game, I know there weren't too many games where you thought, oh, you know, the Texas game obviously, but still, I mean there wasn't there weren't too many situations where I felt like he was really put in a tough spot until then. And, you know, that tells me he's not just an athlete. He's not just a guy with a great arm. he's, He's got some moxie to him too.
2: Do you think, just a quick follow-up question, is he polarizing and, and a national attention grabber in the same light of somebody like a Manziel or Tebow? Because it's, it feels a little bit like that, where he's kind of must-see TV at this point. The, the Cardinals and, and the Valley haven't had somebody like that probably in 20-plus in years. And I, I get a little bit of a sense. I, I saw this today on NFL.com, the auction site, and in his helmet, was going for like sixteen, seventeen hundred, and then the rest of the rookies signed a helmet all together and their helmet was like thirteen hundred dollars. And so it just it just feels very different than any player they've ever had before.
0: Yeah, I mean there's obviously there's kind of a mystique now because he was this Texas high school legend. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Allen, Texas. I, I, I got to go there a few years back and you know it's it's not the stereotypical Texas football experience, but it is the prototypical uh, you know, texas powerhouse coming from there you know his dad played at a&m it didn't work out there he goes to to oklahoma sits only gets the one year you know he's got the baseball thing there's there's so many storylines with him including the size and everything else um you know and he kind of guards himself a little bit from the media you know we don't really know too much about him as the person i'm i suspect we'll get more of that as, as we go on here but You know, I just there's so many angles to this thing. And what happens if they, you know, they start one and three or he throws five picks in in a short amount of time or whatever. All these things are or what if he lights the league on fire? I mean, there's there's just so many possibilities here that make him this unique story. Right. So I, I, you know, if I were to have 10 big storylines for the NFL 2019 season, I think I'd absolutely find a place for him. And like you said, it's been a minute since the Cardinals have had one of those kind of, you know, entities on the roster. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's
1: right now the number, like the top or fastest selling jersey, at least over the last few weeks. The fans, at least for the most part, are excited. But there's a lot that still were very much Josh Rosen fans wanted the team to keep him drafted player. What are your thoughts on his fit with Miami before we get into some of the draft grades and everything else for Arizona? Is that going to be a spot where we're talking about him being able to thrive there for like a few years or is this going to be a similar situation to what the Cardinals went through this year if the Dolphins have a difficult year and aren't able to put it together?
0: It's it's going to be really interesting because you know as you guys know you know the offensive line issues really kind of held him back other than Laramie Tunsell, and, Chiefs. I mean, I, I don't know if I could name their starting five off the top of my head. Point being, look, they've got battles at right tackle, probably at left tackle. I'm sorry, at right, uh, right guard, I mean, and left guard. So, you know, they're still figuring out the offensive line. Is Kenny Stills their number one? Is Devontae Parker going to suddenly be good? I don't know. Albert Wilson's coming off a big injury as well. You know, they've got to figure out the backfield, too. Kenyon Drake's been a disappointment. Kalen Balazs is on unt- All these things are working against them. And, oh, by the way, Chad O'Shea is a first-time offensive coordinator. Now, they have Jim Caldwell there, and I think he's going to be like the, the, you know, the quarterback whisperer or what have you. But I don't think it's a team that's going to average more than 17 points a game. I mean, I – and he's got to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, you know, for all his warts, can play some scorching hot football at times. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: Arizona legend Ryan Patrick. <laughs> yeah, exactly
0: right. <laughs> oh, I know. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and uh, it was funny. I was actually doing a draft research project too, and it's like I have to remind myself that Josh McCown was, was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals too. You know, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? I, I, it's like it happened so long ago, and I I keep seeing it. And I'm like, why do I always forget that? Anyway, sorry. Aside there, but they have such poor personnel. Basically, I don't know how they're going to make this work but you know it's going to be fascinating to see a can he win the job and b what can he do with you know less the great uh, players around him
1: Yep. all right well let's let's get into the draft grades then i believe that you gave arizona from going through your article a b plus and it's interesting going over with draft grades you had an article that got quite a bit of traction of just kind of how looking at the 2016 draft how useless that could be and i took a look at that and we saw you give a c plus for arizona in 2016 and John and I both agreed. That was probably the most positive grade you could have possibly given considering where they're at with Kim D. Very Brandon generous,
2: looking, looking back now.
1: Not even on the team. So it was just looking back looking now, back it's like, now. You like yeah, yeah you could have given an F, maybe given an F minus that. So despite the fact that a lot of times draft grades can be laughable for that, talk about at least the in-the-moment things of what you felt about with Arizona. Who were some of your picks that you thought were great, good picks or solid picks, ones that you liked, and what were ones that you were questioning or weren't as big of a fan of?
0: Yeah, and just a quick note on that two thousand sixteen story. I think you're you're kind to say C plus that was like that was a community college C plus, like where like, like <laughs> it kinda of feels bad yeah, you're up, right? You got you got a passing grade. I want you to get What's through, you? right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, that was a that was a tough play. Hey, I'm a Mizu guy too, and I love Evan Bain, but it, you know, it's only so much. Wow. But That's- uh yeah, no, this year, I mean, look, I, I really liked, uh, the, you know, the top. Obviously, you know, Murray, I think I had him as my number nine or ten overall player. You know, I, I hedged, obviously, because we don't know. And there has there is no, you know, he is this unicorn or whatever. But still, I, I for a quarterback, taking him one, I have no problem with that. But Aaron Murphy is one of my favorite players to watch in this uh, – favorite, you know, defensive back, certainly – As long as they're not asking him to play press man corner, he's still young, and I think he'll have some growing pains this year. But still, I really think this is a great two- or three-year pick. And I I just believe that he's got a little bit of dog in him. He's got some really natural instincts. Uh, He can kind of bait quarterbacks into throwing his direction a little bit. So he's got a little bit of a riverboat gambler element to him you know, that was for the value alone, one of my favorite picks. Uh, I mentioned the BC, the, the Boston connection. So I, hard for me to say anything bad about Zach Allen, but I, I really think that was a pretty darn good pick at that point. I like that pick just, you know, apples to oranges, but I liked it better than Andy Isabella. I guess another, another regional connection for me, but you know, Isabella if they scheme it right and get the ball in his hands in creative ways, I think it's gonna be good. But he was really fighting the ball at the senior bowl. I don't know how natural his hands are. I I watched the Georgia game. He torched the heck out of him. He's you know, he's a blur out there. But I, I wonder if he'll ever graduate to that more, you know, complete receiver. Now in this system that that may not matter. He may just be like big play guy, and that's fine. But I thought there were maybe better values and I'd have to look and see what offensive linemen were available at the time. But, you know, that's a position that I thought was, was overlooked. So, yep. you know, you guys probably were as excited as anybody for Hakeem Butler to fall the you. Absolutely. Away. You know, if, if, you, if you took him at 62, it may not have even been that big a read. You know, like, that right. Like, cool. All right. So.
2: Take Isabella, pick 103, and maybe yes. things looked at it a little bit differently.
0: Yeah, flip-flop him. Exactly. So. Um, the center from Georgia too. I thought he was, you know, first of all, he was, I believe first team SEC. So a lot of respect, um, for him, but it never really translated to the scouting community. I felt like maybe they were just a little leery about his power and size and all that, but I just felt like he was a pretty good player in college. I didn't get to see the the kid from Oregon state. Um, the, the temple DN though, I know we're forgetting somebody. I, I who did I leave out? Oh, we're talking uh, about Deontay Johnson, Thompson. Yep, yeah. and Deshaun Johnson, right, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, God, they had a lot of picks. So, yeah, obviously getting depth was great. And Deontay Thompson, you know, look, I wasn't wild about him, but I still had him in my 50 to 60 range. So where's wow. that? You know. Safety, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. I mean, so adding depth there as well. I mean, for the most part, if they're going to do this five wide thing, you got to get a lot of guys, a lot of depth. And, and if you're going to, you know, I understand David Johnson could be one of those guys in certain packages and whatever, but um, I'm fascinated to see what they do with Christian Kirk. Cause I, I loved him coming out. Yep. Um, I don't know where, how do you guys see those, those wide receiver positions uh, sort of working out?
2: Well, Blake and I have talked about it. They're going to run some kind of, they're going to be a lot of four wide. I don't know how much they're going to utilize the tight end position. We talked about it in the previous pod where they don't necessarily call their inside receivers slot receivers under right. Kingsbury. They're inside receivers. I would, I would imagine that Isabella and Kirk will be inside. Uh, and maybe uh, Hakeem Butler absolutely is an outside receiver. Maybe Larry rotates with Christian Kirk between one of those two spots, Isabella, I I would, I would assume gets moved around, but I think the only one that has a clear defined role is Hakeem Butler is an, is an X receiver. Yeah. case scenario. And then, you know, what you're able to do and utilize with David Johnson in the passing game, which we really haven't seen for two years. He had the injury. And then last year he was neutered by Mike McCoy. So I think everybody's expecting, expecting big things from him this year. He kind of fell into the the number 10 overall fantasy back last year and, and was just a complete afterthought. So you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. That the, the biggest concern, obviously, is being able to get a push up front. But I, I, don't, I don't think there's going to be any uh, lack of, of weaponry for, for Murray. And that's a perfect transition, Eric, to my next question. With, with the amount of talent that they've added at the, at the skill position, Murray's mobility, you would think, would alleviate some of those concerns up front. What is a realistic fantasy outlook for him this year? Blake and I have talked about it. I've, I've heard, you know, local media in Arizona talk about 500-plus rushing yards at minimum, um, you know, 3,000 yards passing, 30 total touchdowns. I mean, those are lofty expectations, even with what we've seen from Baker Mayfield and Mahomes in his first year. But I will say that mobile quarterbacks do have a tendency to come in, like you mentioned earlier, and set the world on fire early before the, the rest of the league can adjust to that.
0: Do you guys know since the uh, since the NFL merger, there have been two quarterbacks who've had three thousand yards passing and five hundred rushing their rookie season? Do you, do you know who they are? You can probably guess at least one of them right up.
2: Did Vic throw for three thousand yards as a rookie? He did not, no, he did not.
0: So was, they were actually more recent than Vic. It was it was Cam Newton, and it was Robert Griffin the Third. Okay, both, both won Rookie of the Year. I mean, so. <laughs> You know, you hit those marks, especially in a year where there may not be a, another 16-game starter at quarterback. You know, maybe Haskins. I don't know. But um, you would think that he's got a good chance to win Rookie of the Year. Now, fantasy number-wise, 500 yards rushing means that you're averaging about 30 a game. I mean, that I feels pretty doable to me. That's make.
2: pretty safe, I think.
0: Yeah. You know, so, geez. I mean... I think that's, uh, I think I'm a little light, right? 30, 30. No, 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 that's
2: about 30, 33 because yeah, 33, 60, five. 65 roughly is to, to get to a thousand for a season. Yep.
0: So, you know, I mean, absolutely. I think, and like you said, maybe, you know, maybe Detroit has no idea how to spy him or has no idea how to, to ham him in and he runs for 105 for week one you know, 48 the next week and then 12 the week after that, I mean, it could be a little up and down and some teams are just going to say, no, we're not going to let him, we're not going to let him do that. We'll put our fastest defensive player in, in that kind of role. We're going to play man, you know, zone defense rather, you know, whatever, whatever we have to do to prevent that. Um, and he'll see a ton of zone, right? Cause I mean, I think teams are going to say, we'll let him have the underneath stuff. We're not going to let him throw over the top and we're not going to let him scramble." But yeah, I mean, I I, I think three thousand and five hundred are realistic numbers. Mm-hmm. The, the the touchdown interception ratio I'll be fascinated to see. Um, I'm you know, <laughs> yeah, right. No, I mean, and then those are all realistic, you know, questions or whatever. So, I, I, I that number I'm less comfortable on. I think my colleague Andy Barons, who does a great job for for us in uh, in, in in fantasy. I I want to say he had he had a fairly high interception number, like 14, but he had a fairly high 23 or four touchdowns or something like that. So I usually defer to the, the experts on that, but that's, I believe, what he came up with.
1: Yeah, it'll be fascinating because we're still not sure how much the Cardinals are going to throw the ball as far as the air raid offense as well with these short passes, if David Johnson's going to get involved. And I, it was interesting, John, and I have talked about how a lot of – the air raid concepts effectively tries by taking all these deep shots, turn zone coverage into man coverage because you're matching up a guy one-on-one. So it'll be interesting, especially how the Cardinals defense (laughs) works. Like if they're still recovering, getting down, there's a lot of factors that go in, but I I think that you're kind of on there about the 3,000, Mark and five and rushing. It feels like that's the spot to hit. The question I think is going to be: Is it closer to that, or is it going to be a little bit more north? Especially since we don't know, don't know exactly what it's, like. what it's going to look like. So I'm I'm going to be fascinated, obviously, to watch just what the uh, what the what the offensive line <laughs> looks like, because that seems like it'll determine a lot for that rookie success.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I came into the draft thinking. You know, they could draft two at that spot just for depth and everything, and just for competition. And and obviously, they've got you know some some faces there that can can help things out a little bit. um So I guess they'll have a, just a. I mean, I, you could see Cole in competition at center and guard. Is that right? I mean, you could see yeah. a couple of guys playing multiple positions, perhaps. Is that how you guys sort of? to figure it out it'll work out or
2: yeah and you know what it's it's a hodgepodge of of just a lot of journeymen a lot of injury prone guys but I think the saving grace is they have the number one waiver claim through the preseason and they have an opportunity to add capable players that can they just need competent starters for like 14 to you know 15 games I mean what we saw last year was preseason level bad for a majority of the season, and it, they got – I'm surprised Rosen didn't, didn't suffer an injury. So they just need some kind of continuity. Kime mentioned it in his presser that they, they just didn't have too many high grades on, on a ton of the old linemen after round one, and Byron Murphy was too too good of a value, and I get that, but I'm right there with you. I thought that pick 33, regardless, should have been reserved for an offensive lineman. Cody Ford would have made a ton of sense to me, but from a value perspective, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know where they, where they ranked him. Um, and the Rosen pick was way further down than they thought it would be.
0: Yeah. And right. I, again, I, without having the draft list in front of me, I, I do remember thinking every time the Cardinals picked other than that first pick, you know, right. I thought Murphy, look, I had a super high grade on him too. So I totally understood what they were doing there. You're not going to solve all your issues in one year. But I remember thinking the next couple of picks I, I didn't know that there was an offensive lineman that I would for sure take over who they yeah. grabbed other than maybe that Isabella pick again, without, without off the top of my head, but you're right. That's, sometimes that's the way it works out and it's tough and you got to swallow hard when you're a GM and say, best guy on our board, you know, you, you, we're not, we're not conquering Rome in one day here. So let's, let's, let's prioritize to rebuild. Yeah. I mean, their biggest need was talent. So, right. I mean, that's, And they filled a ton of holes. So it's exciting to see what they're going to do with all these guys.
2: Quick question uh, for you, Eric, and and share as much as you're able to. But do you think there was a a huge market for Murray had the Cardinals passed? Everybody talked about Gruden's infatuation with him at four. But then you'd hear some media outlets basically say he could experience a free fall if the Cardinals or or Oakland didn't take him. How much of that was just media speculation? Well, I I do
0: know the Giants – liked Murray, but it's, it's, you know, of course now the story is, well, you know, Jones was our number one guy. There were people in that building that had Murray way above Jones. Now, again, you're always going to have disagreements. The Raiders thing, I still haven't been able to figure out exactly how much Gruden loved him, how much Mayock loved him, how much that even matters. I mean, it's John's call, like I hate to say it for Mike, but... It, you know, I it, so you're right. It, you start wondering, okay, would 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 Denver have traded down? Yeah, you know, were they interested? Everything John always said suggested that ah, uh, these shotgun quarterbacks and you know they don't know how to drop from center and you know it sounded like the the you know the the old man speech or something like that. So I don't know that they would have been in the mix. You know, you, you never know. There could have been a team a little bit farther down that that would have you know, given up a lot or, or gotten involved. So I don't know about free fall. I still think Oakland would have been too tempted. I mean, I, I Gruden talking about Mer, uh, Kyler at the, at the senior bowl. Yeah. He was, he had a glint in his eye. <laughs> it wasn't just him being John Gruden and like, all right, I'm going to throw these guys off. I really felt like he was fascinated by, by Kyler. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so overall, I think we're obviously, as Cardinals fans, hoping that the uh, the first game of Kyler's career ends up being a little bit more like a Cam Newton, at least with the what, 400 yards <laughs> passing versus uh, Russell Wilson, which I think it was like under 200 yards passing.
0: Against you guys, right?
1: It'll be interesting. I know, yeah, that was against Both us.
2: Games. Both One games were.
1: Yeah. And that was one of the last times that they, you know, straight up beat Russell Wilson <laughs> to start. That's this the game. last
2: time they won at home against, against the Seahawks too. It was in 2012, okay. his first game. They have not won at home since then.
0: And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it came down to like four shots in the end zone. It did. Yeah, I, yeah it I, absolutely did. I remember did. like – because I, I – I, this is the one time I'll pat my back. I I was the first I, – I don't know about the first, but I wrote – I said, I think Russell Wilson's going to get a chance to start everybody's going you gotta be kidding me but i talked to one guy out there was like i'm telling you that we love him he's great all he has to do is beat out flynn you know, Matt <laughs> flynn, <laughs> right, you
1: know? right right so,
0: and i so i, I hate to admit it, i was kind of rooting for him to win that game rooting for the story a little bit you know but it was just i remember like miss, miss, this miss 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 oh boy this uh,
2: they still won like 11 12 games that year too which
0: i know i know it's crazy it's- so that was, that's, yeah, they both, both Newton and Wilson. I forgot about that.
1: Yep. And the, they certainly showed them up the next time they played at 58 zero. So I guess that's just how it goes sometimes. So anyway, that's kind of a uh, part of what we're looking for. So let, let's kind of wrap up everything with what's kind of the expectation that you think Cardinals fans should have post draft. Again, we kind of talked about it a little bit ago, the whole part of, what we felt the Cardinals needed to do was infuse talent. I think it's probably at least a two-year process before you're getting into a comfortable spot. But how do you feel like as we kind of wrap up today with – where you feel the Cardinals are, what fans should be kind of expecting at least. Cause all I think that John and I have talked about is, Hey, like we may not win as many games this year. Maybe they have a little bit more optimism, the outlook, but if they're watching just the drudgery of losing like 30 to nine, 41 to seven, all those games. last so many year. Blowouts last we're, year. We're, just, we're just hoping to make football. We're just hoping that football is going to be fun again in Arizona. Is there anything at least that you can say that the Cardinals fans can expect beyond maybe a more exciting or dynamic offense, at least that you would be looking for looking forward to?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously that's number one, right? What What is the system going to look like? You know, can can Kingsbury coach? I mean, you know, we didn't really get to see him, you know, on that same kind of level in college or whatever. But you know, obviously starting out is is you know, what are they going to be? What are they? I guess they have Detroit, and then they is it Baltimore? I'm trying to remember what the next game is. Yep, that's you know, correct. Yeah, a couple of tough games early you know, is this team going to be, like you said, more competitive? Are we going to see them lose, you know, 35-27 instead of 35-14? I and mean, to me, that's still a sign of progress. I don't care Absolutely. what the says. I mean, look, if you're in games, if you're in those one-score games, you have a chance, one fumble, one special teams play, one whatever. But, yeah, there was just such a – God, there was such a malaise. Just was such a – you know, after that – after that Bears loss, I remember watching that game, and, you know, Rosen gets his shot. It was odd timing, but, right, forget that for a minute. I thought, okay, well, they – you know, this this kid, he's going to have a chance here. And it almost felt like there was just never any excitement last season. So that will obviously be there. How good is this, this defense? I don't know. I mean, they're obviously kind of switching schemes again. And, you know – um, Yeah, I'm a big Chandler Jones fan. I I told you I like Zach Allen. Can Hassan Reddick kind of bounce back? Does Terrell Suggs have anything left in the tank? Is Patrick Peterson still in the picture? I mean, I don't know. There's so many fascinating questions, but, you know, a lot of former first, second, and third round picks on that defense. So I don't know if it'll be, you know, one of the five best units in the league, but it should be pretty competitive, I would think.
1: Yeah, you'll have Suggs versus the Ravens and then Kyler versus Lamar week two, like you said, so it'll be great. Well, uh, we got oh. a, just about three minutes left or so, so can we, let's go ahead and have a wrap-up. Just go ahead and plug yourself, around. Eric, for where your work is done. Again, we already talked about your awesome 2016 draft grades article. Do you have anything else that you're <laughs> working on or uh, just what you'll be having or where they can find you?
0: Yeah, so following up on the, uh, you know, the kind of dreary thing the uh, theme that i established with that 2016 look back <laughs> i am looking at the worst draft classes of the century so back to 2000 and i've been doing a lot of a lot of research on this and so um, i will say that that 2016 cardinals group is in the mix i haven't i haven't picked a final group yet i believe the 2002 draft class is also possibly in the mix as well but i've got it down to about 50 or 60 classes, hope to narrow it down to 10 by Monday and write that up. So, again, I'm not as, like, negative a guy as these two stories make me seem, but every now and then you got to talk about the bad stuff. So it's actually been fun writing and kind of looking back and, oh, my God, this team missed on this guy or how did they make this trade or whatever. Uh, It's crazy. You forget quickly how bad some of these draft classes were, and I probably gave them all B pluses at the time. So.
1: Awesome. Well thanks. It was a great interview, Eric. Your awesome to interview. Appreciate all that you did so much. Thanks, Eric. thanks again so much.
0: Thank you guys. Good good talking and hopefully you catch up down the road. Yep. Definitely. All right. See you fellas. Take care.